Hi, I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. Due to the pandemic, we bring you One Bad Mother straight from our homes, including such interruptions as children, animal noises, and more. So let's all get a little closer while we have to be so far apart. And remember, we are doing a good job. This week on One Bad Mother, transliteration. We talked to author Kyle Lukoff about how trans characters aren't Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Plus, Biz touches her banjo. Woo! (laughs) I am barely holding it together. (laughs) That's how I'm doing. Uh, This morning, I got a call that my three-year-old needed to be picked up from daycare because she had a fever. And I'm like, okay, we're going to make this work because I am a high school science teacher and I teach remotely. So I can just stick her on the dog bed in my room with her (laughs) iPad while I try to teach 30 high schoolers about evolution. Um, And then I found out that she can't go back to school unless she is 48 hours fever-free and has a doctor's note. Okay, let's get her a doctor's appointment this weekend. I am also on my way to bring my uh, my lefty's giant dog to the vet to get a biopsy because he is a lumpy boy, and the only vehicle that he fits in is my car, which needs its license plates reinstated because um, insurance ran out and they and because of COVID, we could not get. An appointment with an RMV in time, so I'm illegally driving my sick dog to the vet, leaving my sick child at home with my husband. You know, it, it'll work out. Oh, and also, haha, my mother-in-law is driving from Ohio with her freshly negative COVID test to stay with us for ten days. Oh, I'm gonna hold it together. We're going to do this. We'll get through it together. You're doing a great job, and so am I. You you really are doing a good job. Stefan and I like to call this kind of day the if-you-give-a-pig-a-pancake kind of day. Those of you familiar with the children's book, if you give a pig a pancake, it is just like about how one action can spiral into just limitless work for you and that is that is the day you're having right now i'm <laughs> so sorry the the thing about covid right now is it is so like easy for any one of those things to like fall off the to-do list and then make itself apparent when you really need it to be correct like the driver like the license tag thing like oh get it out we're not going anywhere right (laughs) where are we going and then suddenly you have to go somewhere i'm very sorry that is a lot (laughs) but thank you for being a high school science teacher i bet that is presenting a lot of challenges (laughs) and you're amazing for doing it so thank you Also, thank you to all of the frontline workers in the health industry, to everybody in the health industry. Um, It is winter. People are really sick. The numbers are, are really, really high right now. And I know that people, nurses, doctors, administrative workers are working pretty much non-stop without a break. And I know that there isn't a lot of backup to step in and give people breaks. And I really see you. And big thank yous to all the different people out there who created these vaccines that we're being able to roll out. I know that was an incredible amount of work under a ridiculous pressure-filled timeline, especially when, you know, science and what you're doing isn't being supported by a lot of our leadership. So I, I just 
Really appreciate that work, and I look forward to getting stuck someday. Thank you to all those who, even in these very difficult times, are volunteering and working to make sure that we have help and food in food banks, as well as presents for those who who need them, who, who do not have the same access that many of us have. So thank you to the volunteers, and thank you to everybody who's wearing your masks. Good job. Speaking of being grateful, it's that time of year in which I start to panic that I've raised horrible, ungrateful monsters. I'm pretty sure they aren't. But at the same time, not having left this house really in 10 months, it can feel a little tight. I think I've spoken on the show about how stuff feels like noise to me. And it loud in this house. <laughs> it's so loud. And, like, I'm trying to find that zen place between, like, well, at least this year, you know, everybody's is a little older and, like, a little more mellow about stuff. But it's still just a lot. Like, it, I don't know. It just feels like a lot. And it's not even like I'm looking for gratitude about gifts. I'm looking for gratitude about, like, everything right now. It's the, like, can I have something to drink? Can I, could you make me some, uh, a snack? Could you, and I'm like, you are standing there. We do have a rule in this house where if you have a cat in your lap, you pretty much can get away with not having to get up and fix something for yourself. But if you don't have a cat in your lap, then you need to get up and get it. And we've talked about when you're really tired, you just kind of zombie through. You're like, okay, here's some water. Here's some food, right? You just do it because you're, uh but especially around now, when I'm really fucking tired of cooking and I'm really fucking tired of like staying on top of school stuff and emails and like all the other things that need to happen in the house and people giving me attitude about their jobs, their chores that they know they've been doing for years, it makes me not feel very jolly. So there. When I'm not feeling jolly, I like to turn to a good book, which ties in nicely to who we are going to talk to today, who is Kyle Lukoff, who has written a wonderful new picture book about a young trans boy who is about to become a brother. Please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Ms. and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. This week, we are welcoming Kyle Lukoff, who is the author of books like the Stonewall Award-winning When Aiden Became a Brother, Explosion at the Poem Factory, and the forthcoming middle grade novel, Too Bright to See. While becoming a writer, he worked as a bookseller for 10 years and then nine more years as a school librarian. Watch out. I'm not sure they know how much I love librarians. He lives in Brooklyn. Welcome, Kyle. Thank you. I would say it's nice to be here, except I'm in my apartment, which is nice. <laughs> it's very nice here. <laughs> oh, you're in Brooklyn, so I know that, like, uh, we used to live in Brooklyn. And it, no matter how nice your apartment is, uh, living in it in a quarantine style for 10 months, is that's it can be tight. It can be Luckily, tight. I actually ended, I moved in mid-October, so I spent the <gasps> first however many months in my very small one bedroom. And I moved in October oh. to a much bigger two bedroom with a roommate. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's wonderful. Well, see, look, I, I was, I was telling Kyle at the beginning that I really enjoy derailing and we've already derailed before <laughs> I ask the very important question of who lives in your house. In my house, I live with my roommate who is the also Stonewall award winning author, um, Meredith Russo who, right, <laughs> our, our awards are hanging next to each other in the living room. So she won that for If I Was Your Girl, and her second novel is called Birthday. You should read it. It's amazing. We also live with Meredith's cat, who's named Shadow. <gasps> Shadow. Yeah. She might huh? come in at some point and be out with us. Yeah, good. Mine constantly come in and out, meowing. 
So it, that's fine. That keeps it normal. <laughs> that's that's kind of cool to have two. I mean, that's like very like old school Hollywood sort of story, right? Like, you know, the two authors were roommates, you know, and then like years and years later, as they're sitting around surrounded by all their awards at the Kennedy Center Honors, you know, like sharing stories of back in the day with Shadow in Brooklyn in a, you know, snowstorm in a pandemic. We hope that someday somebody writes a history of trans literature for youth and includes our Boston marriage. Yes, I <laughs> I love it. Well, that yes, let's I I'm sure they will include you because you and she and Teresa and many have really been on sort of the front lines of this you know, move to make sure that children's books, be they picture books up to middle and young adult really are inclusive of trans kids, trans stories, as well as LGBTQ plus like all of that, like to really show this diversity in, in children's writings. And so I want to actually start with when Aiden became a brother, which is your picture book. The book is so sweet and nice. And I read in a, a previous interview that you had done where you said that you wanted to write a picture book about a trans kid that really felt like a picture book. And I thought that was such an interesting thing to say. And I, I guess I wanted to start off with asking you what that, what that means for you and uh, what you were hoping for this book to communicate, to, to do. That is a really good question that I, I mean, I've, I've been asked similar questions to this before, but nobody has really picked up on that comment about wanting to write something that feels like a picture book. And I think there are a couple answers to that. One is that, you know, so A, Aiden was not my first picture book. The first one that I published was called The Storytelling of Ravens. Mm -hmm. And then the second one that I sold was called Explosion at the Poem Factory. So by the time Aiden came out, I already had a couple books under my belt. And I had been a school librarian for several years by that point, reading hundreds of hundreds. picture books, hundreds, <laughs> hundreds to hundreds of children of all different ages. And also as a writer, I have a tremendous amount of respect for picture books as a distinct and discrete art form mm -hmm. that has structure. And I just want to keep saying structure. Like every time someone asks me about picture books, I keep coming back to the structure that good picture books have to have in order to flow, in order to convey the information that it's trying to do in a way that allows children to fully take in the whole experience and that allows for multiple rereadings and getting Yes, more. because yeah. when there's a kid in your house, a million times. you got to read it a lot. If you yeah. did it right. If you did it right, you have to read it a lot. If you did it right, it is enjoyable to read yes. it multiple yes. times. There are a couple of those like computer written books that have made their way into this house that I had to read repeatedly with no joy. And they just, oops, sure. I don't know where they are. I don't know where they are. <laughs> I love it. I'm so sorry. Sweetie. Go look for it. Is. Go look for it. If you find it, we'll read it. <laughs> so I wanted to write one that I, that I wanted to write something that stood up to my uh, standards for literary excellence in the genre of picture book. But then also I wanted to write a story that wasn't just a lesson. I wanted to write something that didn't just say, this is what it is to be transgender. I wanted to write a story that had multiple interpretations and that had room for all kinds of children and all kinds of families to ask questions and to see themselves in it. I guess I'm just, yeah, I wanted to write a book and not just a lesson plan. I wanted to write something that you could read for a lot of reasons, not just because you wanted to explain a topic to a child. There are, there is value to those texts, a hundred percent. That is just not the kind of story that I enjoy writing. In addition to being a story about, about Aiden being trans and it flows together so well that it's, it's not that there's just one thing happening in this picture book, right? Like it's not, we're not just 
And I, well, I like that because to me that makes it feel normal. It makes it feel like, oh, whoops, sorry. We thought you were a girl when you were born. That was our bad. I'm so glad you've let us know. <laughs> we're going to work together. We're going to fix that. And then now, how does that play out past that part of the story? I, that's exactly what I wanted to do. I want to try to book where the character's trans identity played a role in their life, similar or in his life, because Aiden goes by he and pronouns, mm -hmm. similar to how it plays in my life, where being trans is a tremendous part of my life. I would say that it is interwoven in the majority of my day-to-day -day experiences, but it is also incorporated into my life in a holistic way. So I don't only feel trans at the doctor's office, but... It's also not a problem that I'm always trying to solve. It is just part of how I see the world, a part of how I see myself in, a, in an extremely mundane way. So I wanted to show, I want to try to book where a kid's trans identity was interwoven in and enriched his everyday experience without it being a struggle that he had to overcome. That is so interesting. And I... I appreciate the opportunity to think more about that. So let's think more about that. Because I think that there, there were lots of moments within the story, again, that were like peripherally about getting a new sibling. And sort of, and not exactly about Aiden. I think about, they go to the paint store to get paint. And, uh, you know, the... The hardware store guy is like, oh, is it, you know, are you expecting a brother or a sister? Right. And like, just even that language, Aiden, hearing that and taking it in. I think that's something that you're, that you're bringing up is something that I hear a lot about this book. You didn't say this. Other people say this. Okay. People often say that it's a story about a boy who, quote, just happens to be trans, um... end quote. And that is not how I see this book. No, this was because, a whole journey. Yeah. And almost every line of dialogue is somehow a reference to gender and the way that it exists in the world and the way that Aiden responds to it, whether it's his gender, whether it's other people's expectations of what gender should be. Mm -hmm. And almost every page references his gender in some way. Like the fact that he's trans is not backgrounded. It is not, it is not something that happens and then it never comes up again. Right. But it is interwoven into everything from the names he chooses to you know the the balloons that they get when the baby is born yeah i mean there's like a couple pages like the page where he doesn't want to learn how to change diapers that's just a kid not no, yeah not of course that. yeah <laughs> there were moments where i felt like aiden was carrying so much for someone of that age just being so keenly aware of the language people used and his own concerns for this child that was coming. What if I have made the wrong choices when it comes to color? And there were, there was this line that just kind of broke my heart a little bit. And, you know, I've had conversations about it with others where Aiden says basically that, you know, how everybody had been wrong about him. And like, as a parent, that's hard to hear. It's, I mean, and, and I, that there was a chunk of time in your child's life where you didn't actually know them to, to their complete wholeness. So there's that poem by that poet whose name I forget, where he says, they fuck you up, your mom and dad. They may not mean to, but they do. They give you all the faults they had and add some extra just for you. Yeah. Um, and then it keeps going. Philip Larkin is who that poet is. Yes, thank you. Yes, you're welcome. Um, thank Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Gabe. Oh, so so that line in Aiden is when, when mom says, when you were born, we didn't know you were going to be our son. We mm -hmm. made some mistakes, yeah. but you helped us fix them. And then later at the end, Aiden says, or the, the narration says, maybe everything wouldn't be perfect for this baby. Maybe he would have to fix mistakes he didn't even know he was making. And maybe that was okay. And that's kind of me saying to pretty much everyone that you're going to make mistakes. Like whether you're an extrovert and your kid is an introvert, whether you're a vegetarian and your kid decides that they want to be like an artisanal butcher. Um, <laughs> like your kids are entire human beings with emotional landscapes and interiority that is not yours. 
that you cannot control, that you cannot necessarily predict. And I think it's it's important for pretty much any person in any relationship to know that you're going to make mistakes and learn how to accept that with grace and do what you can to move forward. Let's talk about the middle grade books, because not only do I have a first grader, I also have a middle schooler. So perfect. They Let's talk a little bit about Too Bright to See, which, to be honest, sounds like my kind of book, because there's ghosts involved. It's a ghost story, coming of age, growing into a new gender identity. You got That's it. my idea of a good time, throwing some crime solving, and we're all ready to go. See, uh, <laughs> and you're welcome so, to come over and read it to me. So okay. tell us about, about this. So that one came about because I was in my library, and it was the morning, and I was talking to a parent at my school who was also a kids book writer. And I was telling her that I didn't know what book I wanted to write next. I knew that I wanted to write a middle grade novel. But I either want to try a middle grade novel about a transgender boy because I didn't know of any good ones yet. Mm-hmm. But I also want to try a middle grade novel that was a ghost story because when I was a kid, my dad told me about a short story that he never finished, where the first sentence of the short story that he never finished writing was, it was strange living at the old house now that Uncle Roderick was dead. And Ooh. as a kid, I was like, my dad's a genius. I love yeah. that sentence. Um <laughs> And I just wanted to steal it. I wanted to steal that sentence from my dad and turn it into a whole book. And then I had a like, there's peanut butter in my chocolate. There's chocolate in my peanut butter. butter. Where I was like, oh, I'm going to write a ghost story about a trans kid using that as the first sentence. Done. I'll just, (laughs) instead of writing two books, I'll just write the one. Well, so do you find it easy or challenging? Do you find there are certain traps you run the risk of falling into? When it comes to writing books with trans characters with you know i mean again i I would assume the trap of making it be like the only point versus the trap of not acknowledging it whatsoever which may not be a trap i don't know yeah what 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 has this experience been like for you especially as somebody who is trans so I was going to say, I can tell you the traps that cis people fall into. Oh, yeah. Um, we just step in them all the time. That's like I got a like, bear trap stuck but, to my foot. <laughs> a bear trap. Uh, but I first, I came out as trans almost like 16 years ago. So that is, I, I feel like the traps that cis people fall into are the ones where I like found out about them when I was 22. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. Or like I did, but I was 22 and now I'm 36. So like I... None of my, I don't think I've written, so there's Aiden, there's the Max series, and there's Too Bright to See, and then I have another middle grade novel coming out after that. I just haven't finished it yet. So those are all of my books. So, oh, and the picture book that I wrote with Gavin Grimm, the teenage activist from Virginia. Uh, that one's coming out in, t- in 2022. It's called Yay! The Fear Kid Like Gavin. Yeah. <laughs> so I've written, that's three, four, five, seven books. With so like some trans experience. main characters. Yeah. Um, all right. All right. If you say so. <laughs> I'm just counting. I'm just no, doing no. math. I'm not bragging. I'm just counting. Um, and I have never used a character's birth name. Hmm. Not once. And oh. I actually don't know what any character's birth names are. I do not know what Aiden's name used to be. The main character in Too Bright to See has a nickname that the character goes by the yeah. whole book until he picks a new name at the end. So he just goes by Bug, because that's what his uncle called him when he was a baby. I don't know what Gavin's name used to be. I would never ask him that because I don't care. So right. I'm not going to use it in my book. My second middle grade novel has a bunch of trans characters, one of whom is still going by their given name, but that's because they want to, and because their parents gave them like intentionally a gender-neutral name. And yeah, in the Max books, I don't know what Max's name used to be. Uh, I don't say it. I didn't even think about it. And I think, and I see cis writers all the time. Mm. Either they use a character's old name to cue you that this person is trans, or they just like avoid the topic in the most awkward way possible. (laughs) Like, just, just, uh, it's just like, 
we get it. We get it. Okay. Yeah. Like, have yeah. you tried Move being on. graceful? Have you tried just being normal? Have you tried just no. being normal? I this don't is know. a difficult discussion. We have to make it as weird as possible. What are you Have you tried about? not doing that? <laughs> all right. All right. Um, <laughs> and then similarly, like to loop back to what we talked about earlier, there's one of two impulses that I see a lot of writers fall into, mostly cis writers. One is that the character's trans identity has to be an ongoing struggle where they're always talking about how much they hate their body or how glad they are that they transitioned or how painful everything is, or just like, they're just like constantly talking about it in a way that feels like just like an unnecessary layer on top of everything else that's going on. It's just like constant explication about their trans identity. And then the other route is to say this character is transgender and then it never comes up again. And in the books that I try to write, the character's trans identity is, I mean, as I said before, yeah, it is something that is integral to how they move through the world, but not as a problem they are constantly trying to solve. Outside of your own books, <laughs> which obviously are the number one choices for best books, is there is there one, like I, for me, like my all-time favorite, and this is probably a little younger, actually, than your traditional picture books but it's i am a bunny by richard scary the i am a bunny you know <laughs> in the i can like quote the entire thing and it's like got like a musicality to it and i can just like read it oh and i would read it over and over and there are definitely older books that i love but is there anything that you're like this was a perfect do you mean about like the topics we've been talking about or just like yeah, any, just in general, any books for kids? In general. You could give me one of each because yours is perfect with the topics we've been talking about. I mean, there are so many that I love. I think for babies, I love Sandra Boynton, mm. um, like, but not the hippopotamus. I could read that over. I do read that over and over. Yeah. And I love that one. It's impossible for me to choose favorite picture books because there's sure. so many. But I love Big Mean Mike by Michelle Newton. I talk about that one all the time. I really love The Dead Bird by Margaret Wise Brown, especially the new one with illustrations by Christian Robinson. Um, I really like picture books about death. I don't know why. Yeah. I love The Missing Piece and The Missing Piece meets oh. the Big O. Oh, God, you can't do it until you can roll on your own. God it's so damn good. it. It's speaking so of, good. Speaking so of my good. dating life. I yeah, love I mean, it's, it's like some of us, we had to roll for a long time to work off the edges. For middle grade novels i mean i think jason reynolds is a once in a lifetime author like every book he writes is perfect i also love fighting words by kim Baker bradley before we officially started talking i mentioned the anastasia krupnik books yeah. which i just reread and i still really like them i love that um for young adult i really do have to plug my roommate's book birthday oh. by meredith russo it is one of the best novels i've ever read um i tried to i told my mom to read it um, and she texted me back saying, I tried to read it, but I started crying too much oh, no. to stop. <laughs> Several people have told me that they've tried to read her book and they start crying too much and they can't finish it. I finished it three times and cried the whole way through every time. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, Kyle, I really Thanks. want to say how much I appreciate your work. Not Thank only you. because, as I said at the beginning, I am a librarian fan girl. I really love librarians. I love, I love librarians, and I love the library. So. Obviously, as a, a librarian geek, I'm going to say thank you for all the work you have done as a librarian in helping children just get their hands on books and reading. And even more, thank you for allowing those experiences to lead to writing these really wonderful books. We will make sure that we link everybody up to where they can not only find when Aiden became a brother to add to your library as well as your school library. Remember what we say, you get a copy for you and you get a copy for your local library or your school library or both. And where they can just find out more about all the new books you've got coming out as well. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me on the show and for asking me so many good and interesting questions. <laughs>
We will definitely talk to you again soon once all these wonderful new books come out. We should have you back on. So have a happy holiday. And yeah, thank you very much. You too. My pleasure. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Care.com. Guys, so many of us are doing so many things right now. If you need help with any of those things, Care.com is there for you. If you need an extra hand with babysitting, housekeeping, dog walking, and many other things (laughs) that we are all finding ourselves doing on a daily basis, Check out care.com. Biz and I both have premium memberships. It is a platform for finding all kinds of family care services. They also have senior care, they have tutoring. Check it out. They have a large selection of local caregivers and they're dedicated to providing easy ways to find, manage, and pay for care. To save 30% off a care.com premium membership, visit care.com slash badmother or use promo code BADMOTHER. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. Genius fail time. Teresa. Oh, genius me. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I saw what you did. Oh, my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh, my God. That's fucking genius. Okay. This is one of those things I would never have thought I would ever have done. And put off for a really long time because I was like this is just a ton of work and it's not going to do anything but it does and it is I made a visual schedule for my kids which is basically just a magnetic whiteboard that has photo like cutouts I didn't make magnets because but I just printed out (laughs) photos of the different teachers and therapists and people that they see, uh, whether Zoom or otherwise, and pictures of each of my kids. And it's a huge whiteboard. So there's space for each person to have their schedule for the day that includes everybody that they're going to be seeing or doing something with that day. And it's a little bit of extra work every night before I go to bed. I put together the schedule for the next day. But I have to do that work anyway because I have to figure out what's happening the next day. Yeah. And what it's done is it's just saved a lot of, like, really annoying conversations. (laughs) Like, basically, the kids come out in the morning and they know where to look. And they can very quickly and easily see what's happening that day. And, you know, even Curtis, who is three and a half and he doesn't read yet, like he can look at the schedule and see what's happening very quickly. And when people do have questions about what's happening, it's like a next level (laughs) question. It's one of those things where I avoided doing something like this because I was like, there's too many people and too many things. Like I can't have a new schedule every day with all these different things happening Like, that just sounds so annoying. But what happened was, without that, I had to talk about what was happening and prepare everybody for what was happening over and over and over again. And actually, the verbal, like, the auditory exchange is, like, much harder to do in a house where there's a lot of people and a lot of distractions (laughs) and a lot of noise. And I don't always have time to, like, sit down individually with each person and make sure that they understand, like, today we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this. And did you hear that? Can you repeat back to me what we're doing? (laughs) Like, do you (laughs) understand? So all of that is so much better now. And it's just cool because it's, it's like, fun. They see, like, a smiling face of a person they like, and that's more fun than me saying, you have blah, blah, blah today. I... 
think that is so genius. That is amazing. And I totally understand the like, eh, I've done these things in the past. And yeah. They never make any, yeah. like, they don't work. I labeled the toy bins with pictures and yeah, nobody ever exactly. shoved shit in yeah. it. Right? Yeah. Right in a preschool, yeah. my kids aren't going to do this. Yeah. And like, that it worked is yeah. so great. Yeah. I believe in this chart, Teresa. Yeah. This, I know you this schedule chart is going to be the game changer that leads you into the best 2021 ever. I think so. <laughs> All right. I made the fudge. You this sure was, did. I made that fudge early this year. And I did it on a day with the appropriate cool weather. So it didn't have the slightly squishy center. And I portioned it out for uh, neighbors and for, I'm like, it's COVID. No one wants to fucking eat, touch food. But I'd already received cookies from neighbors. So I said, it's on. And the best thing I did when portioning it out was make sure that Teresa got so much of the fudge. I mean, double layer in a tissue. She got like a tan of fudge. Everybody else got like four little pieces in a little box. Right? Like, but Teresa got an obscene amount of fudge. And I still don't think it was enough fudge. And then I drove it out to Teresa's, left it on the car texting so that it didn't melt right away. Yeah. And she was like... <laughs> I got this text from you later that was like, what were you yelling as you drove away? And I was like, I was yelling, don't share it with anybody (laughs) Uh, or something like that. Anyway, I did my fudge job (laughs) for the year is the thing I'm saying. So good. And I'm just going to tack on a bonus bonus genius, which is that I am not sharing it with anyone. Good. None of it. Good. Because why even why? start? I don't why? want them to have any of it. It's for me. Yeah. This is it, it's so setting it's mine. it up every yeah. year. Yeah. No, no. This you mine. never get this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So yay for fudge. Good job. <laughs> Hi, Biz and Teresa. This is a genius, or at least I think it's a genius. Um, I have a three-year-old, and this is the first Christmas where she's really aware of what Christmas is, and she's hyper-aware of what presents are. So I was really worried about putting the wrapped presents out under the tree because I was concerned she wouldn't be able to leave them alone, and she'd pick at them, and they would stress her out. Anyway, so I got a kitchen sponge, and I wrapped it up and put it under the tree, (laughs) and I told her if she ever feels like she needs to touch a present or unwrap a present, she can unwrap that one. And so she did, like, several times in a row, and every time I rewrapped it and I retaped it and I just put the ribbon on again. And now she's bored of unwrapping that present, and so she's left all the other ones alone. Um, so anyway, I now have a tree with lots of presents under it that aren't getting harassed by a child, and she's not stressed, and I'm not stressed either. Anyway, thanks for the show. Love it so much. You guys have a good day. Bye-bye. <laughs> so good. It's so good. It's so good. Like, my first thought was, I'll put in a, like, a box, like mm-hmm. an empty box. That's no fun. But, like, and I can't admit, I didn't think a sponge would be very fun either. But clearly, I have yeah. forgotten everything I once knew about three-year-olds, which was, that yeah. sponge is great. Sponges yeah, are a lot of fun. fun. And then yeah. you get to rewrap it, and, yeah. like, and then they go do it. And, like, how badly do you want to just only give your child sponges now for like so the big sponges and little sponges and like this is or it becomes a family tradition every year you have to find the christmas sponge that's so cute there's this part of me that wonders if like (laughs) you're just patting yourself on your back for your christmas genius and then like christmas morning comes and you're like okay it's time to like really open the presents and she's like that's okay mama all right I've already, I don't need a sponge. Like, I don't need any more sponges. Like, I'm fine. (laughs) I know. I love this. You are doing an amazing job. Yeah, you are. Failures. Fail, 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 fail. You suck. 
fail me, Teresa. Okay. Okay. So Curtis, my three and a half year old, goes to he's back in preschool. His preschool like reopened in the fall. And he's he likes it, but has a hard time getting there in the morning. He really, I mean, it's understandable. At home, there's siblings and a lot of Legos, and there's, like, fun things happening. Sure. So it's kind of hard for me to get him off to school every morning. This morning, I just, I just really, I really did a bad job. Like, I... <laughs> I so basically like my patience level mm. since COVID is so much better than it's ever been in life. Like I have miraculous levels of patience now that I never was. I know Biz is looking at me I'm like, like I'm insane. Did you just somehow absorb all of my patience? Maybe you've like taken the patience of of those around you because my my patience is not at that level. We. <laughs> have done so many hours oh, yeah. of floor time therapy <laughs> that I the, it's it's just part of everything yeah. now so and everything I have all the time in the world and that's fine so one way that this has a and like taking the urgency out of every situation yeah. is like the thing that we practice like the most which has made mostly leaving for school better because there's just less stress if you go like, well, what's the worst that can happen? He's a little late for preschool. Yeah. Like that's, that's, th that is the situation. For some people, if they're trying to get somewhere where they could yeah. like get fired. Yes, yes. That's, that is urgent. That's an actual urgency <laughs> moment. Right. But for Curtis, he just needs to go and I need him to go there so that I can do other stuff that I need to do. But like if it's 10 minutes later. Right. It's not that big of a deal. But I've gotten like really out of the habit of just saying like time to go. Boom, boom, boom into the car. I'm picking you up. We're on our way. Like I just don't really do that anymore. <laughs> so I do a lot of like waiting for them to like be ready huh. and like moving things along and like finding ways to move things along and like finding things that make it so that he wants to go so that he's ready to go. I mean, it takes forever and it's exhausting, yeah. but that's that's what I do. This morning, I was like waiting for him to finish making this Lego thing. And I kind of was like, it's really, you know, come to a place where we can have it the way it is. And then we'll work on it more after school. But it's it's time to go. And he really couldn't let it go. So I kept waiting and waiting and waiting and kept like making suggestions and blah, blah, blah. And it really he really what I figured out later was he didn't want to come to a place where he could leave it. He was going to yeah. continue to have problems with his Legos for as long as possible so yeah. that he wouldn't have to go to school. <laughs> um, and so, Clever. so Clever finally child. I'm like walking him to the door yeah. and I'm holding like three pieces in my hands, like three pieces of like multi-part things. Yeah. I'm like, yes, we can just carry it to the car. It's not a problem. You can hold it in your lap in the car. And as we get to the door, he starts screaming that I have to help him get the guy to sit in the thing so that he can and I'm like okay fine I'll get I'll put him in the thing but then that's not working and that's when I just was done you like were done. I realized oh now my patience is out and yeah. we're not in the car and he's screaming and I'm like trying to get this lego guy's head off so I can take the oxygen tank off and I'm using my teeth <laughs> And, oh. and I'm saying really weird things now, like, well, this is really unpleasant. I'm not enjoying oh, this yeah. at all. Yeah, out and loud. Then, You're saying these out loud, right? Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, wow, yeah, I really should have made this happen like 15 minutes ago when I wasn't in this stressed out state. Because now he actually is late. Yeah. And I'm late. Yeah. So, so then he, as I'm doing the last, this last thing that he says he needed help with, He's taking all the uh, pieces apart. Oh, uh, no. He's taking them all apart. No. And then I do that thing, which is like, <laughs> I, I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Uh, you just took it all. You just, now they're all, so forget it. So just forget it then. And I just pick him up and I take him to the car. And like, they, I swear you guys, it does yeah. not happen that way most days. But today, uh. today it did. 
And it was so stupid yeah. because I was like, I could have had this stupid thing happen <laughs> and been on time. But instead, I drew it out. Yeah, you just, I was like the taffy patient. of stupid things. I let it unfold. <laughs> I let it become more than it needed to be. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we both felt that. Oh, so, yeah. you're doing yeah. it. The horrible job. I know. <laughs> yep. It's everything is just the same as it's always been. And it's just, eh. and so, you know, there had been the genius of taking the banjo lessons as like a little time for myself. And part of that time for myself was not only the day that I had the lesson, but it also meant like minimum 20 minutes to just pick it up every day mm -hmm. that hasn't been happening and so the pattern that i am in is suddenly it's monday and i realize i have a banjo lesson and i haven't practiced anything so everything stays very much the same as the previous week's lesson and then I think that the banjo teacher is judging me and how shitty I am and I'm like okay okay I know that they're not judging me and also then I've got a new banjo teacher who's like you know if you're like in a jam session and suddenly you want and I'm like I'm never ever gonna be in a jam session <laughs> like I am an old lady who just wants to touch her banjo so my failure is I now that I now that I've touch the banjo i'm not touching my banjo enough and right. i'm gonna leave that there just like that Great. now i'm not touching my banjo enough and isn't that all of our problems <laughs> you suck hi this is a fail i intentionally rearranged my schedule so that i could have a slower morning with my kids and that hopefully we wouldn't feel so rushed to, you know, get the day started. Uh, both my husband and I work out of the home during the middle of a pandemic, which is just awesome. So they go to daycare and, you know, they're two and a half and 11 months, 10 months, 10 months. So mornings are, you know, just chaos. And I thought that not having to be at work the ass crack of dawn would make that a little bit better. I'll just say that it didn't. And I'm going to be a little, a lot late to work. And I, I don't even have my lunch packed like I normally do. And I don't, I just don't know how it happens. <laughs> uh, okay. I suck. Anyway. Bye. Yeah. You suck. You yeah. suck as much as Teresa sucks. See? Yeah. When you're one trying of us sucks. to make it better. Yeah. <laughs> trying to make it better, end up not having an impact or possibly making it worse for yourself. Yeah. A, like a like a bad, like a deep impact. Like a yeah. bad, nothing good. Yeah. Yeah. Again, reminder, anytime something happens, failure wise uh you're not alone so that's good we've proven yeah. that today in the show Teresa had no idea this was the failure yeah. that i had picked yeah. uh and i was thinking ah oh, here's this failure yeah no don't try to make life easier for yourself <laughs> just struggle through struggle up river forever <laughs> this is how we are supposed to do it you're doing a horrible job you are. I feel like I just want to point out I am reminded of a past episode of the show where I just ranted about how I couldn't fix mornings in oh, general. Yeah. Yes. And I think that that I think that that is what's happening here. It's the the more time you have in the morning just means more of that stuff. The more you have, yeah. the more of that that you get. I like the way you put that. Like what we have here right? Like, or what it looks like here. Yeah. It, it makes me feel like we're parent scientists, yes. right? And like, it's like, ah, yes. when, <laughs> yeah. when all the elements are right in this study, then mornings are forever broken. Yes. Right? Like, and so, right. yeah. Yeah. 
Well, again. Boo! Biz, Boo. You, Biz, you sound just like a scientist. I do, don't I sound like scientists say Boo! <laughs> you are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you, I love you. When I have a problem, I call you on the phone. One Bad Mother is supported in part by StoryWorth. For many of us, the holidays look very different this year. We are not able to get together. And in my family, part of getting together means storytelling and sharing memories. StoryWorth is an online service that helps your loved ones share stories through thought-provoking questions about their memories and personal thoughts. Every week, StoryWorth emails your family member different story prompts, questions that you've never thought to ask. Or these days, you might come up with your own question like, have you ever been through anything like this before? (laughs) (laughs) After one year, StoryWorth will compile all your stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that is shipped for free. Give your loved ones the gift of spending time together wherever you live with StoryWorth. Get started right away with no shipping required by going to storyworth.com badmother. You'll get $10 off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com badmother for $10 off. Hi, I'm Joe Firestone. And I'm Manolo Moreno. And we host After Game Show, a podcast where listeners submit games and we play them regardless of quality with a dozen listeners from around the world. We've had folks call in from as far as Sweden, South Africa, and the Philippines. Here's an example. This is a game we call Zooey Deschanel, where you turn a celebrity's name into an animal pun. You have an example, Manolo? Brad Gorilla Pit. Oh, that's a pun on Gorilla Pit? Yep. I don't know. If that's, that's Brad Pitt. Oh, okay. That's a high-quality game that you yeah. could expect. Dr. Game Show has new episodes every other Wednesday on Maximum Fun. Check us out, please. Hey, I'm Mallory O'Mara, a weird fiction reader who enjoys whiskey and owns a book weight. And I'm Bria Grant, a science fiction reader who likes iced tea and reads to escape the world. And we host Reading Glasses, a weekly show that dives into reading suggestions, goals, complaints, and the really important questions like, what are the best reading snacks? And seriously, Mallory, what is a book weight for? Every week, we talk about reading. It's not a book club. You're not going to have to listen to us review a book you haven't read. You just have to be excited about books, authors, the bookish community, writing, and talking about reading. We can literally talk about reading, like, all day long. Reading Glasses. Every Thursday on MaximumFun.org. Glasses. (laughs) I thought about doing that. (laughs) Up on the rooftop, click, click, click. Down through the chimney comes somebody having a horrible breakdown. Let's listen to a mom have a breakdown. I'm pretty sure it's the sound of the season. Hi, this is a breakdown, I think. Um, I realize that I am having a really hard time with things, and I know that once I reach out to my therapist, she won't be able to see me for at least a week, because that's how it always is. And then at that point, everything will be all better, and I'll just tell her everything's fine. So we'll just keep going through this spiral of I don't get help when I'm not fine. So here I am. I just, I'm tired. I don't know how to do this anymore. I just got a COVID test. Don't worry, everything's fine. Just precautionary. And I just pulled into my house to relieve my babysitter. And I just find myself waiting until the last possible second to go back in my house because I just don't want to be there anymore. Uh, not right now, anyway. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's it. I don't know what else to say. Thank you. Bye. You are doing... A really good job. And there's not a lot more to say except 
from us to say you're not alone in this at all. I There are a couple of things I think we could address. One of them being the, I don't know how to do this anymore. And, oh, man, talk about internal monologues being said out loud. There have been multiple times out loud, usually in tears, <laughs> in a Target parking lot. I have, I have said those very words. I don't know how I'm supposed to do that anymore. And then that leads me to, did I ever know? What is this assumption that we all knew how to do this in the first place? Like, where was that bar ever set? Basically, we're just all trying to get through it each day. And now we're all trying to get through it emotionally and physically completely depleted without any support systems. So the answer is, I don't know. There, there's a good chance we don't know how to get through this anymore, okay? And you're, you're doing a really good job. Yes. I also want to add the on the note about, like, I'm not okay now, and by the time mm. I get to therapy, I'll be yes. fine. Yes. And I, <laughs> I just recognize that so yes. much because I am somebody who for years went to therapy and, like, for some reason would just get there and be like, yeah, it's going pretty well. And I would like report all the ways that it was going well. I don't really know why. I think maybe because when it's going well, it's really hard to revisit those dark places like authentically because it's really hard to then get back out of there. So yeah, I mean, therapy is not it's not perfect. It's a lot of work. (laughs) It's really tricky. And you're totally entitled to just have sad, bad, dark moments that are not fixable right away. Like, which sucks. Yeah. I mean, mean, it does. It sucks. I even have therapy scheduled, you know, every week. And I still have the problem of, you know, the day before being like, oh, I can't wait for therapy tomorrow. Like, I mean, completely enraged and like need to work with somebody professional to help me get through it. And then I go to sleep and I wake up and I'm like, I was grumpy. Like, I know Mm -hmm. I was pretty unhappy yesterday. And, you know, like it's, yeah, yeah, that's, that's really hard and finally on not wanting to go inside your own house (laughs) that is the most relatable uh thing you've said uh, in the entire rant i have sat and like i would have to like park down the street Mm. in case the babysitter and ellis were outside Mm. because if he spotted the car right right then he'd know that I was there. So like, sometimes I would be like, oh God, if I even drive past my house, they're gonna happen to be looking out the window and then they're gonna know and then I'm gonna have to come home. And I'm gonna come home to somebody who's really upset. Or better yet, I'm gonna sit here in this room now, even 11 years into this, (laughs) 11 years into there being living things in my house with needs more than food on the floor. And I'm gonna pretend when we're done recording the show, that I'm still recording and I'm not going to go out there. Yeah. 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 Yes. You are doing a good job. Yes, you are. Teresa, you're doing a good job. Sometimes I like to just come park outside your house. (laughs) Yeah. But in that case, I do want to come in, but you're just not allowed to. But I'm not allowed to. Yeah. But you're doing a wonderful job. If I do not talk to you, but I will. Before then, I hope you have whatever type of Christmas you can have. (laughs) I don't want to be bullshit. Be like, have a happy Christmas. It's a truly reasonable (laughs) and authentic wish. Thank you. Thank you for that. I also (laughs) think you're doing a good job, and I really hope you have some fun on Christmas. 
Is that okay? I yeah. hope you have some I fun on Christmas. We'll look for a little fun. Okay. At Christmas. Yeah. This is that's Great. a big bar, Teresa. Just some. <laughs> just some. Well, all right. I will talk to you later. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Oh, Teresa. Shh. Teresa is my holiday gift under my tree every year. Guys, it's just not like the normal holiday season, is it? <laughs> it's such a weird time. So what did we learn today? Uh, we learned that the pandemic is still happening. It's really not that much better. And the holidays are here. And you've already been hiding in the bathroom for so long that that doesn't even seem like a place to hide anymore. Like, uh, it's so strange. So, you know, in all honesty, happy holidays. Uh, have one. We also learned from our wonderful guest, Kyle Lukoff, that you can have interesting, deep, multifaceted characters that are trans that don't have to fall in to the traps or tropes or boring setups that they have found themselves in in many children's books. One of the things I think that makes Kyle such a wonderful author is the point that he made about finding so many things boring about previously written books featuring trans characters holds true for lots of children's literature. The great ones are great when the characters are more than one note and when the characters have interesting problems and objectives to overcome. And I, I really appreciated the care and thought that Kyle put in to these characters and into his books. And I, I just... I just love it. I just love the evolution of inclusion in children's literature. So go get that book. We learned that there's still time to get that book for someone as a gift for the holidays. Everybody, you're doing a really good job. It's like the belly button of the holidays for many people right now. And there's snow and there's a pandemic and there's family guilt about not coming or being able to spend time with people. There's also been a remarkable amount of loss and holidays are not known for making that loss easier. As always with holidays, there's the pressure to get it right, whatever the hell that means. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out why that question comes up in my own head about getting it right. You're doing a really good job. It's not weird to feel like you don't know what else there is to do or you don't know how to do this. That's, that's, that is an okay feeling to have right now. And just as I wished, Teresa, I wish you all some sort of holiday, <laughs> whatever it is. May there be a little quiet, a little fun, and a little something special that reminds you how special you actually are. And as a little treat, as a little treat, how long has it been since I've touched my banjo? I'm going to share with you guys some bad banjo playing. Guys, it's not going to be good. In fact, it might be like, I don't know. It's like banjos. Like some people are like, oh, even played badly. Some instruments are beautiful. I'm not sure like banjos and bagpipes, like those kind of fall in the same category together. So I am going to try this. And the joy of recording is that I can record this multiple times until it sounds like I want it to sound. And so to all of you, I wish you a very happy touching of your own banjo.
Talk to you guys next week. Bye. I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. You know that right. We'd like to thank Max Bunn, our producer, Gabe Mara, our husbands, Stephen Lawrence and Jesse Thorne, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things, and of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Well, daddy, baby, bustin' by, not low down mama blues. Oh, said daddy, baby, bustin' by, not low down mama blues. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.